space. Well, not really. Take two. Here, in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best things since the neutral zone. And we are back again. Welcome, as always, to the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Network. Uh, I am your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey uh, fan club chapter of Starfleet, the international fan club. My name is Charlie Carden, uh, and I am joined by my cohort out there in Minnesota. This is his first regular uh, stint uh, of just the two of us, of course, he he and uh, our partner Aaron rotate. But uh, I'm going to say good evening to my partner Rich. Rich, how are you? How's it going? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I uh, I'm ready to talk about this. Let's. I, I'm 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 geared up. I'm ready to talk he, about Star Trek is, Enterprise. He is not interested in small talk. We are gonna we're gonna <laughs> skip the foreplay. We're gonna get right down already. So uh, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, uh, last week, you heard us talking about the massive explosion. Uh, of news that happened on First Contact Day, so we're not even going to touch that. We we cut it up the three of us so expertly, but now we're going to talk about uh, wrapping up what Aaron and I were talking about uh, the week before. We talked about the first season of uh, Star Trek Enterprise, the front half. Now we're to the back half, episodes uh, fourteen through twenty six, and I got to tell you that I'm going to let Re- Rich start out and read the recap of episode fourteen. I don't I don't want to get ahead of myself. So Rich, go ahead. Okay, all right. We're just going to jump in? I can do that. That's party. All right, so episode 14 is titled Sleeping Dogs, and in Sleeping Dogs, Ensign Sato, uh, Lieutenant Reed, and Subcommander T'Pol attempt to help an unresponsive Klingon ship escape the crushing pressures of a gas giant. Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun. Sounds so dramatic. Uh, Race (laughs) against the clock. Um, Early Klingon episode... Uh, I think we see our first Klingon, our first chronological Klingon female, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't know if when we saw the, we've seen the Klingons twice this season. They were obviously heavy in the premiere. Uh, they were in the episode where Trip gets pregnant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, which we talked about. Uh, Aaron oh, was man. infatuated and called it Trip in the Space Nipple or something. We tried to get it <laughs> put in the YouTube description or in the episode description, but Axtra wasn't having it. So, oh, uh, but no. anyway. Trip in the space nipple. So yeah, this is maybe our first chronological Klingon female. Uh, not a bad looking woman, I'm going to say. Not that we should really judge people by that regard, but as far as the episode, nothing memorable about it in any way, shape, or form for me. I I only had one thing. Uh, well, first uh, two things, I guess. I like the I loved in this season the early on tensions between the Vulcans and the humans. And that, that that's apparent here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the, the, the thing that killed me was there was a very cringy, uh, to Paul falling over on Archer and boobs in the face bit. Oh, that's that, so, so much of that in this first uh, season. The, yeah. The decon chamber. I mean, even right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it, I think it was at the end of this episode. Was it the end of this episode? They had the, the extended decon chamber where they're all sitting there like, uh, you guys can get out now. No, we're good. We're just going to sit here. And it's just Reed with no shirt on to Paul with those boobs hanging out. It's yep. like, ah, uh, it makes it very difficult in this, you know, era of, of such great storytelling to see things, uh, that were an obvious ploy by 
network executives to get young boys to watch. Oh, there's boobs. Ooh. Right. Yeah. Right. I just, exactly. wow, a big, a big pass for me. So anyway, yeah. uh, we, we move on to an episode that is marginally more exciting with episode 15. Episode 15, The Shadows of Pajerm. Is it Pajerm or Pajem? Pajem, Pajerm. <laughs> They're stealing our gerbs. I can't read it. I, uh, there we go. I got my old man eyes on keep, here. Keep so. squinting. Keep squinting. Yeah. You got it. It is Pajem. Okay, so Shadows of Pajem. And uh, Subcommander T'Pol is recalled to Vulcan. During her final away mission, she and Captain Archer are kidnapped, leading to another confrontation between Vulcans and Andorians. I liked it. You know, yeah. this is, uh, you know, you're setting up uh, again. This is uh, a spinning off of the, the first Pajem episode, which was episode seven or eight or something like that. Um, something that was established in this that that never really got touched in the original series was that before the, the founding of the Federation, which there were five worlds, there was, let's see if I remember from memory, Earth, Vulcan, Andor, uh, Tellar or the Tellarites and Alpha Centauri which I think was actually an Earth colony. Those were your five founding worlds of the Federation. So these two were obviously two of them. Neighboring systems hated each other, taking every chance to spy and scrap and have this Cold War um, that they just can't friggin' stand each other. So this was, this was a good tip to that. It was um, the result of that first episode that the Andorians bombed Pajem and destroyed it. And because of that, uh, T'Pol is being recalled and, and obviously is going to be punished, but... Um, during this way mission, she's obviously able to redeem herself, uh, and stay aboard the ship. So this continues. And again, we, of course we get the return of Jeffrey Combs as commander Shran, great character. Um, and just getting, I, I think further development to what we see as what continues to be a great story arc for Shran throughout the rest of the series. And then, uh, within this Vulcan, uh, conflict to see it kind of continue and deepen. So good yeah. kind of geopolitical stuff, which I think is always what, made deep space nine so superior was that geo kind of that geopolitical intrigue myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree. I think that, uh, I do, I do like that there, that, that like, cause Vulcans always seem so like, uh, well, how do you, how do you say it? Like they, they just don't want, they don't want to have an, they don't have a beef with anybody. Right. And yet, right now we've got these Andorians and the Andorians and the Vulcans have beef, you know? And it's interesting to me. I like seeing these early versions of the Vulcans, at least as far as, you know, their interactions with humans and interactions that we're first witnessing. So I, I, I appreciated this one for that reason. I mean, yeah. And uh, the irony of the Vulcans having a beef, they're vegetarians. Right. How did that work out? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's totally insane. All right. Moving <laughs> along. Episode 16. <sighs> Go ahead. Episode 16. Okay. Oh, boy. We're going to have to talk about this one. All right. So episode 16 is Shuttle Pod 1. After finding debris from Enterprise, Lieutenant Reed and Commander Tucker are stranded in a shuttle pod far from help. Hmm. Well, <laughs> it's it, it's an opportunity to dig in and get to know these characters a little bit better. As uh, you know, Aaron was talking about uh, on our breakdown of the first half of season one. I mean, Reed's just a boring ass character. You know, right. no, no, nobody wants to, even his parents didn't want to get to know him. They th they think he was such a dud. <laughs> um, so it's weird in this episode <clears throat> to hear him writing all these dear Jane letters to all these chicks he slept with back in San Francisco. Yeah, um, and and just having trip punctuate that and having the two of them kind of scrap it out. Um, it's weird that I don't necessarily feel like this. It, it's, 
it's almost felt like an attempt to set up like a Bashir and O'Brien kind of friendship that like you saw really heavily in DS9. But I just don't feel like that continued to move forward from this point in the series. Now, as we continue to watch the show again, obviously I've seen it many times in the past, the series all the way through, but I'm not recalling that the two of them had some great bombastic friendship that they were going off and doing stuff. So I, I don't I don't know. It was clear it was a setup that maybe didn't end up having to pay off in the long run. So I'm, I'm just not, I'm kind of, I'm kind of fuzzy on this one. I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I think that, uh, there, when they, when they go to have shore leave, they, um, what episode was that? Two, uh, two days and two nights yeah, later yeah, on yeah, in the yeah. season, they, uh, they go off to, they go off to, uh, get, uh, you know, get, get space action <laughs> together. Right? right. They go to the bar together. So they, and they're, and they're kind of, you know, giving each other, you know, kind of like the, you know, the ribbing and all that. And then of course they have to work together to get out of their, their little thing, but we'll, we'll get into that one. But I don't know. I feel like it did set up a little bit. Um, okay. I fair. haven't seen, I haven't seen any of the rest of it, so I don't really know, gotcha. but it feels, it feels hopeful that there's a setup here because when, when, when the episode first started and trip was really getting into, um, read and like laying into him, I started to feel like he was a bit of an ass yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and I, I started to like him a little bit less, but as it progressed, I loved that we had this, this, this character study, right. Where, where it was quiet in a way. And these two characters are just kind of laid bare and available to us. Right. And I, I really appreciated that. And honestly, this was one of my my favorite episodes of the, of the, the back half, at least. No kidding. No kidding. Um, I really liked it. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what, leading in this next episode, this was actually one of mine because I feel like it really touched on uh, one of Trek's touchstones, which is kind of social commentary. Uh, Episode 17 is Fusion. Yeah, Fusion. Enterprise encounters a crew of emotional Vulcans. Subcommander T'Pol experiences an illicit mind meld with unsettling results. Man, this one really spoke to me. So I'm not remembering the name of the other Vulcan, but they stumble upon, you know, as I said, a a crew of of kind of hippie Vulcans. And boy, these guys, (laughs) these guys are going to be kind of cool. The one guy turns out to be a total fucking rapist. And it drives a rapist. Yeah, because that's exactly he not only um, violates her by uh, by basically um, refusing to initiate, uh, it's, it's date rape, you know, yeah. refu- refusing to break off the mind meld when she says this isn't working for me. But what you do find out in later episodes, spoiler alert is that it's, it's actually gives her an STD, uh, as, what? as have no, as heavily, uh, talked about. And again, extending the social commentary metaphor, and I believe it is season two. So we'll get there eventually an episode called stigma where it's revealed that this type of mind melding, uh, can actually transmit, uh, a parasite that uh, that damages her ability to control her emotions, which are further damaged by her experiences in in the, uh, the in the Necrot Expanse. In uh, did I call it the Necrot Expanse? I'm, I don't actually think that's what it's called. I think that's from Voyager. The um, damn it! In season three, the uh, the Expanse thing they have to go into with the Zindi. I can't help you. I, I, I've never seen this. This is my first watch through of Enterprise. I would I would have to. I have a map in my dining room. <laughs> that, that 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 is a federation that has it mapped out. So I I'm I'm embarrassed. Uh, please hit me up on Twitter if I've not figured it out by the time this is going on because I'm embarrassed. But at any rate, this really lays um really lays a groundwork. It's strong groundwork for kind of her, her emotional uh, growth and struggles over the the course of the series. So I would say it's one of the finest episodes of this first season because again, Star Trek has always really benchmarked itself on social commentary and clearly. Uh, 
sexual assault, rape, all things that nature have always been extremely pivotal, but certainly in this day and age with the Me Too movement and things of that nature, they, they come that much more into a global lens. Um, so this was, in that regard, I won't say it's ahead of its time per se, because these have always been issues, um, right. but it really, I think, lenses down on something that is incredibly relevant uh, to us in this day and age. So I like this episode very much. It really spoke to me. Yeah, I'd have to agree. This was a fantastic episode. Uh, like it had me, it had me reacting to it, which I, I really didn't react to many of these episodes. But this one had me when when he's when he's doing them, he's forcing himself on her. Um, I was I was I was like cringing back in my seat. You know, totally. Like, this is this is this is uncomfortable. Even more so now, like you said, with this with the Me Too movement and all this uh, that's going on now in our in our world. Um, it makes it even more uncomfortable. And I can't imagine what it would be like for, for someone who's experienced something like that to, to see this probably empowering, but also maybe a little triggering as well. But um, I I have no doubt about it. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. So yeah, this one, I think in this day and age would carry a warning uh, if it was rebroadcast and and totally should be. So yeah, wonderful, wonderful episode. Not so sure I can say that about episode 18 because I kind (laughs) of felt, kind of felt run of the mill. So this would be Rogue Planet. Yep. Rogue Planet. While exploring an uncharted planet, Enterprise crew members encounter a group of aliens who are hunting down indigenous creatures, wraiths, for sport. Stephanie Nisnik? guest stars is the Wraith alien. And the, and the, the only reason that's relevant is that she had a very minor role in Star Trek Insurrection. She was the, oh. he, she was the uh, Trill uh, Helm Officer. Oh, there you go. oh. Yeah, okay. she was. The, yeah, so she had a handful of lines, and she kind of smirked at Riker <laughs> when he was flying the ship. And so, yeah, okay. anyway. Um, so this kind of stole a plot line from an episode of DS9 uh, <laughs> in Season 1 called... Uh, how was it called captive uh what the hell was that you know with tosk yeah it was like the yeah. tosk episode um I can't though, the name of it but yeah yeah and i i uh it, by the way it's the delphic expanse it's delphic like expanse. It, it was railing around in my head that's the thing with my brain <laughs> we've got like this good like 60 40 rule of useless information the 60 is definitely the star trek stuff but it tends <laughs> to move in like icebergs around my brain sure, uh, sure. so every once in a while a couple of them will smack together um so same as that Tosk episode, but you put a pretty girl in there. Does it make it better? Does it make it worse? I mean, this, I think, is a great example of how, you know, we go great episode, lame episode, great episode, lame, lame, great, <laughs> lame, lame, great. Because you have 26 episodes on broadcast TV. So yeah. it's not like now where it's like you've got this Netflix series and it's eight episodes or it's 10 episodes. And maybe you get one really lame one. But again, generally when that happens, it's one big long story where this is really broke up into story of the week, which is kind of what we've been told that we can expect from strange new worlds. The, uh, the captain Pike series that we should be seeing probably in 2022. Um, so yeah, I felt this was kind of a miss. I didn't find anything really memorable about it myself. Uh, okay. I, I, I started off my, one of my first notes was that it seems like it's filler. It seems like they just put it there to kind of flesh out the 26 episode season. Mm -hmm. But as it went on, I did notice a couple of things. Uh, the preserve, the, the idea of preservation is prevalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in that, so it, they do still try to keep the, uh, the star trekiness of it, uh, 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 present with that. Um, and, and then the other thing is they said they don't, they, they, they only hunt creatures that aren't sentient. And I thought to myself, are boar not sentient? Because to be sentient means that you, 
you're aware of, you know, that you're alive and that if, right. you know, if you, you know, if something else happens, you won't be alive. Right. Right. So they see as they see Bora as not, not sentient creatures, which is really, I don't know, kind of weird. Right. I don't know. Right. To me, it well, yeah, felt but, weird to me <laughs> because I mean, when you see them, they're like big slugs or whatever. So are they judging them in that regard? I, I don't know. Yeah. So th- that, that part of it could be, but anyway, the next episode, <laughs> the next episode, hands down, is packed with a lot of fun. It's packed with a lot of great familiar faces. I love yes. it. But it does get away with one of the tropes that happens more than once in this series, which is bringing up a familiar species, but because we never say the name of them, we've never met them before. That would be episode 19, <laughs> uh, Acquisition. So go ahead. Acquisition, a group of Ferengi hijack Enterprise, but... But Commander Tucker, Captain Archer, and Subcommander T'Pol resist the pirates in order to win back their ship. Fun yes. episode, yes, yes. yes. I, I I liked this. It was a little, you know, it was kind of your your diehard, uh, you know, on um <laughs> yes. on the Enterprise. Yes, uh, that's that's, a, that's an apt description. I like and that. We, and we were absolutely packed with stalwart. Trek actors. We also, of course, had Ethan Phillips, who was Neelix on Voyager. You, you again have this is beautiful in a dual role ro- within the same season, and, and again he even did it sometimes within the same episode. Jeffrey Brunt uh, plays one of the Ferengi. Uh, you have the venerable uh, going who has history all the way back to the first season of the original series. Clint Howard, as a child, was Blaylock in the episode of the Corbinite Maneuver. If you if you're dreaming back, that little kid, you know the yeah, episode I'm talking okay. about. Yep, yep I that, do. that was that was Clint Howard at a time that his brother was playing Opie on the Andy Griffith show. This is what Clint Howard was doing. He tells a great story. Quick sidebar: He tells a great story that uh, he had to drink. Tranya was the drink that he had to share with Captain Kirk in the in the way party, and right. it was grapefruit juice or something. He turned to his dad and said, "Said Dad, I really don't like this." He says, "You're an actor. You have to act like you like it." And the kid was like four years old, <laughs> and he did it. Is is? I mean, it's just it's. I, I just have always loved that story, but fun episode. I love it That's when, the, great. when the Ferengi is trying to use their UT, their universal translator on Porthos, who is one of my favorite characters on the show. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, it was an absolute winner. Just a fun episode. Yeah. They did. They definitely didn't know what to make of the dog. Yeah. He was, uh, he was confusing to them. There's another, there's another familiar face to me anyway, Her- Herbert West from the reanimator series. This is an old, uh, schlock horror series. From I, the 80s. I, I know. I, I, I I was thinking of the movie, because the movie, right? Wasn't yeah, that a movie? The Reanimator. Yep. yep. With, with with Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't pin who. Which character was Herb? Was Herb West as the actor? Which character was he in that movie? In the movie, he was the Reanimator. He was the. I thought he was, wasn't he? Wasn't Herbert West the Reanimator? Jeffrey Combs was the Reanimator. I thought. Was he? he was okay. The main dude. Okay, we're gonna well, we're gonna have we'll we're gonna have, to, we're have to dig into this, or again hit us up on Twitter uh, if we do not figure it out. So, um, yeah, totally awesome. Um, the only thing that, to me, any other thoughts? I'm sorry before we move on. Uh, no, my my th- as as I was going through everything, everything in my notes is uh, is just hey, that's Neelix, or hey, that's you know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was just noticing people. And Trip Trip got to be the rescue person again. He, right. and he did it in his underwear, which they're going to bring up again later. So In his underwear. Uh, well, those guest stars are all great, but nothing trounces uh, in this next episode, which could potentially otherwise kind of forgettable. Uh, but episode Oasis giving us the superb Clancy Brown. 
Yes, Clancy Brown. Yes, Captain Archer and an away team find a mysterious crew apparently alive on a ship that crash landed years ago. And what I just said was completely inaccurate. I was jumping <laughs> forward to a different episode. So, <laughs> no, the, the superb guest actor in this is Rene Aubergenois, the late Rene yes. Aubergenois, who is, of course, Odo on DS9. Right. Um, <laughs> that being said, this is directly a ripoff of an episode of Deep Space Nine from season two. There was an episode where uh, Dax and Odo are together in the Gamma Quadrant. They land on a planet where there's one guy who ultimately turns out recreated the dead people on his ship to be holograms. He'd been there for a few generations, so people died and born. And so, uh, oh boy, it was a yeah. snooze fest. <laughs> yeah, and just it's just you know they they were. They were a little early and a little late at the same time to be just rehashing, like, let's just, you know, DS9 wasn't that popular, particularly in the first three seasons. Let's steal this plot line and see if anybody notices. Well, (laughs) we did. And it sucks. So that's almost as embarrassing as me uh, screwing up uh, the guest stars. But speaking of a cavalcade of guest stars, they do not stop headed into episode 21, which is detained. Yes, detained. Detained in de- in the in the episode, Captain Archer and Ensign Mayweather find themselves imprisoned on a Sulaban internment camp run by the Tendarians. Now, great social commentary yeah. because you've got you know, and they make direct references to Manzanar uh, from World War II, the Japanese internment camps that happened in Southern California largely. Um, but what really drives it home is your primary guest star is a. Uh, post Quantum Leap, but pre Battlestar Galactica, Dean Stockwell. Yes, <laughs> obviously Scott Bakula's co-star for five seasons of Quantum Leap. To me, and we've talked right. about this uh, on SFU, Oxford and I have, um, as being a an absolutely evergreen, timeless show that I think probably primarily because it was set in the past and it was easy enough to dismiss, like, oh, it's 1999, and he has a he has an iPhone that blinks and all this different shit. The rest of it, <laughs> thematically and the way that show was written. I, I, I could watch it on a loop. I love that show so much. It was absolutely fantastic. So, th- yeah, I thought this was a great episode for commentary. And really, uh, Colonel Gratt was the name of, uh, of uh, Stockwell's character. Uh, was absolutely a great phony baloney. Oh, yeah, everything. You, you, we, we've detained them, but they're having a trial. Come to the planet, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's going to mm-hmm. be late. Oh, it's this and that. So just a typical political strongman BS. Right. And, he absolutely pulled it off. I think he did a great job. Yeah, he's he's always good. I just think he's always good. And it, it, he's one of those character actors that you just, you know you're going to get that kind of performance out of him, too. He's he's always going to be able to pull something out of that that treasure trove of experience that he's got. Absolutely. Yeah. One um, of the things that I really liked about this, though, is that it felt so relevant to today. Even though, I mean, uh, 20 years ago, it was, it was still relevant because right. 20 years ago or whatever it was, it would have been 20, it would have been 19 years ago, maybe 2001, right. 2002. We're yeah. talking about Guantanamo Bay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then now we're talking about the Mexico, Texas state line, right? Exactly or border, correct. Border. It's, exactly. it's 
it's it's like how are we still dealing with this shit 20 years after 20 years after 40 years after 60 years how are we still dealing with this extremely poorly clearly yes, yeah. yes no no kidding oh my god absolutely, anyway. absolutely horrible so um moving on uh we we have another friggin filler episode and unfortunately directed by roxanne dawson uh who's who uh, obviously was blonda torres on voyager but uh voxola is the name of this episode voxola a strange symbiotic alien alien creature boards enterprise and starts kidnapping members of the crew yeah. Uh, rehash of, I mean, there was a, a season three episode of TNG called Evolution, uh, where there were nanites that, uh, that were, it was Wesley science experiment gone wrong and they got into the computer and they started to replicate. And in doing this, they become essential life form. So it was the same thing. Well, if we kill them, we get control of the ship back. And then this, well, if we kill them, then, you know, four crew members will die, blah, blah, blah. So we're just really grinding in there. Like, let's see what we can steal. It's like, it's like the show, the Orville, which I kind of enjoyed, but any episode of that show had easily somewhere between two and four recycled plot lines from Star Trek, the next generation. <laughs> and and that's well. really that's really what a lot of the season feels like. Uh, so yeah, th- th- this was a, to, to quote, you know, Randy from uh, American Idol. It's a no for me, dog. It's a no for me, dog. Nice. I uh, the 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 first thing I thought and the first thing that I wrote down was I'm gonna be waiting for baby aliens to come splashing out of these people's chests. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, <laughs> because that's wrapped, all I could think of. They're getting wrapped up by linguini or whatever the hell it is. Just a, yeah. just a lame alien thing happened. Just really, really not having it. So yeah, exactly. Um, next episode I thought, I thought was kind of an uptick. Episode 23 is fallen hero. Fallen hero enterprise finds itself under attack while transporting a controversial Vulcan ambassador. Well, I, I like this. Uh, and again, it's, it's kind of a, it's more of a character study, uh, for T'Pol because they're getting, they're called in an emergency to pick up. Uh, this this Vulcan ambassador assigned to a planet that she's been expelled, though it's, right. that it's not revealed immediately to the fact, and the whole thing really does turn out to be uh, kind of a conspiracy that she unravels. But she turns out to be a less traditional Vulcan, and and while uh, while she's on the well, to Paul's like, well, you know, we sign her quarters, but there's got to be nothing in it, and then blah blah blah, and then this woman shows up, and it's uh, it's uh, actress. Uh, Oh God, I'm gonna draw a blank on her name, but you end up seeing her. She played the uh, the actor who was Data's mother in the final episode of TNG, who actually turned out to be yet another android. Um, oh. And it, it's is I will, and again I will think of her name shortly because I refuse to Google. I'm not gonna stop the magic here. But same actress. Uh, she was also uh, in Auburn Tain's housekeeper and uh, kind of Garrick's sur- surrogate mother in DS9 in that final season. Uh, M- uh, Mina or Mimas, I don't know. Again, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, <laughs> my point is, a great episode, kind of breaking conventions. You know, Topala seeing that, much like with, unfortunately, those, those emotional Vulcans, the one guy who turned out to be a rapist, she's seeing that there's more flavors of the rainbow to being a Vulcan than to simply being like, you got to be logic, and you got to meditate every day, and mm-hmm. you, you, know, you got to deny your emotions, and you'll ha- have sex once every seven years going to find out that's not really how that works for T'Pol. When we get a little later into the series, uh, <laughs> she is the, well, she's the character, in my opinion, that has the biggest arc of growth, I think. And, and, and there were a lot of little, little glimpses of that in this first season that I really enjoyed, and I thought that this was a good piece of it. So, Interesting. Anyway. Interesting. Okay, yeah, and I, I like this because we see more of the, uh, we see more of the human Vulcan um, relationship kind of 
moving towards where it's going to eventually be. Right. And uh, so I appreciated that. I do appreciate that the, I like the Vulcans that aren't trapped by the, the confines of the strict rules. Right. Right. Totally. And, it, it it makes me, I, I'm not, I'm not a strict rule person myself. So, you know, the Vulcans, while I like them, they've, the ones that kind of branch out a little bit, well, maybe except Cybok, but you know, the ones that branch out a little bit right. are more, are more, uh, <laughs> more my cup of tea. So it's encouraging well, to right. hear that Tip Paul's going to head that way. So well, absolutely. Cause yeah, if every Vulcan was like Spock, you know, a little bit, but then you had Tuvok and Voyager who was just very by the book, but every once yeah. in a while, it would peak out, and then you you know, even with Tuvok, you learned that there was a period in his youth where he was quite rebellious, and he was infatuated with a human girl, and he was going to walk all uh, walk all of it away to to be away with her. But that was an episode that took place very late in the series. So in a lot of ways, for six seasons, he was just as boring as shit. Didn't really do anything that was worth paying attention to. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's good that, like you said, they're starting to pull out, not saying, well, she's another Vulcan, and blah 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 blah. So right. they, they get you know they they kind of put a little a little beef. A little beef into the uh, into the vegetarian stew. Yeah, I exactly. Like that. You like that? Uh, <laughs> that was good. Uh, so finally, the Clancy Brown episode is, <laughs> is episode twenty four, uh, which is called Desert Crossing. Uh, so that, go ahead, please. Desert Crossing, or as or as it will now be known, the Clancy Brown episode. The Clancy Brown episode. Commander Tucker and Captain Archer are invited to a desert planet by a man named Zobral, only to discover that he has ulterior motives. Dun dun dun! Okay. They make him kind of sound, sound like a bad guy in the end of it. He's just he's kind of a dickwad <laughs> because he right. he gets them sucked into it, and then he's like, "Well, you know what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah. I guess they're on their own or whatever." Yeah, this guy he's a rebel. He's a revolutionary. Uh, and he, you know, I think Enterprise helps him out uh, with some repairs. And he says, come down to my planet and have some food. And we'll play a little bit of, you know, desert lacrosse or whatever the hell it is yes. that we're doing. Um, <laughs> which, for, you know, big, yeah, sp- that's right. I, I forget who I'm talking to. Everything is space blank. Like it is yeah. with you and Paul. I forget. Yeah. I forget. <laughs> and don't forget a couple of episodes from now, Paul will actually be our guest when we talk about Star Trek six. I'm really looking that's forward right. to that. Um, oh, but, good. but I love Clancy Brown. He brings, you know, of course he's very famously, uh, was in the the splendid uh, Buck Rubanzai uh, cult film in the eighties, which I loved. Yes. But was yeah. most famously to this generation, Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob. Oh God, uh, really? That's what he's you, most famous for? What? What were you thinking of? Something else? I was thinking of like the um, Shawshank Redemption. He was in the Shawshank Redemption. He played the uh, the bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, uh, I just I I, I tend I tend to think of him for these two that my son, my oldest son, just adored SpongeBob. So I watched uh, so much of it that yeah, that that's what it really grounded down for me. But I you know, it. I enjoyed this episode. You know, d- does it have any overall relevance to the series? Not really. Um, no. but I thought it was cool. I like location shoots, uh, when they're they're obviously they're out shooting somewhere, so it actually makes you feel like they're going somewhere as opposed to you know, the original series where it was planet, it was, you know, stage 16 and you got the foam rocks, <laughs> the nine different light sources. And yeah, so I like that. I thought that was fun. I love space lacrosse. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I enjoyed this one too. Uh, the space lacrosse is good. It's funny. Um, I also liked that there was a little bit of a question of who do you trust, right? Who's, who's the right person here to, right. to be taking advice from because Clancy Brown's character tells them, one thing, and the uh, the pl- politicians tell them something else. Of course, you probably should never trust politicians, but no shit. Uh, but <laughs> but you know, there's there's always the there's always that question, and it's planted. Of course, you know, as as soon as one person says, no, 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 you don't want to trust him, 
Right. Exactly. Question, correct. Course, so. Why? Right. But always yeah. question authority. <laughs> That's what we say. That's what we say here in Star Trek. So, um, so we finally get to the end of a, uh, of a journey here in the last three or four episodes. We're like, we're going to Risa. It's a vacation planet. And then they don't you know, throw a bunch of crazy mix ups. Uh, <laughs> it takes them forever to get there. And this episode, uh, episode 25 is directed by Michael Dorn, uh, right. Warp, which yes. I never realized. So this is uh, two days and two nights. Two days and two nights, the Enterprise arrives for shore leave on Ryza. While there, the crew experience more than they are willing. Well, oh boy. You got that? While, I, I almost, almost had it. I was so close. While there, the crew experience more than they are later willing to admit. Oh, my goodness. So th- this was an episode kind of largely played for laughs. You have, yeah. uh, you, you have the, you know, somewhat uh, bookish uh, Hoshi hooking up with the dude, which good for her. Yeah. Uh, you you have again you have Trip and uh, and Reed uh, and it, it's funny like you were talking about the shuttle pod one episode actually recalling that story to what they think are a couple of hot chicks in the bar that actually <laughs> turned out to be a couple of weird shape shifting aliens right. who who basically try to rob them and steal their clothes uh, right. and then and then you get what could have been a quasi interesting carry forward to the Tandar and Sulaban situation from a few episodes back uh, with a woman who is a uh, kind of balcony mates with, uh, with the captain. Um, and you know, it, it looks like things could be blossoming romantically. They're spending a lot of time together. Turns out she's a Tandaran spy uh, right. and she, she drugs him and takes <laughs> off. Um, but again, I, and I could be mistaken, but I don't know that we ever hear from the Tandarans again. So again, a dangling plot thread. You oh, really can't, nece- you really can't necessarily blame writers for that because they probably have to cast a pretty wide net uh in a writer's room to see what what it's not like throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks hopefully (laughs) per se though though there are a lot of episodes in the season that kind of feel that way yeah Um, but uh yeah they they never really the Suliban continue to be a factor kind of next season and then the real big capper is in the the season three finale and the two-part uh, season four kickoff, which is my favorite, that brings to a conclusion the temporal Cold War and the Sulaban arc, kind of all in one. Uh, but we're a long yeah. ways off from that. So, you know, w- would it have been something relevant uh, to include the Tandorans? I have no idea. So I don't know. <laughs> now, the things that I liked about this were the well, well, first of all, Trip and Malcolm, um, their little escapade is exactly how the movie Hostel starts. Oh, right. right. Oh, God. You know, that could have gone sideways real quick for them. But there's a lot to like about this episode. Like you said, though, it's it's just played for laughs. Um, I do I do appreciate Hoshi's uh, interaction. I like to get I like to see her ability to translate language, to learn language quickly and and, and just, you know, kind of experience that a little bit more. So that was fun. But one thing that really bothered me was the the bit with Trip and Malcolm when they find out that they find out that the supposedly or the beautiful supposed women or females are actually males. They have kind of a little gay panic moment where they're like, right. oh, yeah, you know, very thinking, very sitcommy. Yeah. 
like yeah, played for like oh oh brother, you know, she was like a yeah. Moment, like yeah yeah very yeah, exactly. very dated very dated, or particularly for the fact that it's supposed to be a hundred years from now. So yeah, exactly. Right, right. I mean, we're not we're not to the point where humans and Vulcans have kind of you know become buddy buddy. So you know these 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 morals and these codes aren't really going to you know kind of be there at present, but it still feels a little like hey oh boy okay well you know. <laughs> All right, I guess yeah. the sign of the times. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, definitely a dated piece, but yeah, yeah. you know, and, and for the fact that this was on UPN, which was otherwise famous for really shitty urban comedies in a lot of ways. So <laughs> I, I don't know that it has anything to do with it, but it kind of it kind of feels at home with that type of humor. So sure. Yeah, uh, anyway, so moving on, ending the season, my opinion with the bang episode twenty six yes. is Shockwave Part One. Yes, yes. Enterprise is recalled to Earth after the crew is blamed for the accidental destruction of a colony world. En route, it is hijacked by Suleiman, and Captain Archer is trapped in the future. Ooh, I love it. The first season one cliffhanger. Let me see if I'm doing my mental math correct in Star Trek history. So great stuff. Yeah. So the Enterprise, uh, you know, a a small uh, outcropping of our regular group is headed down to a colony. There's a big explosion, which kills something like 3,500 colonists down there. Uh, And it it turns out that the entire thing was set up by the Suleban to frame them for this to get their mission stopped. Because we remember, of course, the Suleban, the cabal is taking their... Uh, orders from the future and so obviously whoever is manipulating events wants enterprise out of the picture because as we learned jonathan archer and the entire crew continue to play a pivotal role in the development of the federation so um i i really like this uh you know and in terms of you know much like was greatly enforced by uh by Avengers Endgame, uh, when someone dies, they don't really die in the thrax of time because Daniels, who died in the first half of the season, is back because he's this eternal spaceman. Um, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, when when the Enterprise is finally surrounded by the Suleban and they said, "Okay, we'll let you go," but uh, Archer has to surrender himself and he goes to climb in the shuttlecraft to leave the ship, uh, and he says this, you know, tearful ish farewell to everyone he disappears into the future the 32nd century which it's funny if you watch discovery now there are little nods and winks to the temporal cold war i i've I've learned just by doing some reading so but it's very subtle but anyway when he when he arrives there the planet he's on is only he and daniels are there and everything else is devastated right so that that's kind of a disadvantage to us formatting it in this way because we won't revisit this again until we get all the way back around <laughs> to season two. So Rich, I, as a first time viewer, I would not forsake you to go ahead and watch that episode. Just don't tell me anything about it. Oh yeah. Oh. I don't know if you'll be doing the follow-up to this with me. We we're scheduled out pretty far. Uh, but of course, um, everything gets thrown off once, once we get to August and we finally get, New epi- which we talked about last week, new episodes of a Star Trek show, in this case, Lower Decks. And then it's my, it's my impression, just like in 2020, we'll hopefully also get Season 4 of Discovery to follow that. So uh, starting from August, we'll simply be talking about one new episode a week in depth, yes. uh, as, as opposed to doing this. So just really turning it over and over and then talking about some new stories. So, Well, hopefully um, we get to this sooner rather than later, because this, this was a fantastic episode. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you go right ahead and watch it. But yeah, what were your thoughts, please? Uh, well, for, I mean, okay. So I like the, uh, <laughs> the, I wrote down when, when, after Archer climbed into the shuttle and he gets shunted into the, into the, into the future, 
<laughs> I wrote down, did he just do a quantum leap? And I was probably thinking of, uh, of his co-star <laughs> from a few episodes before, but anyway, uh, the, the cliffhanger was fantastic. Like I wasn't expecting to be pulled into it that much, but by the time it was over, by the time we get to the point where, um, uh, Daniels, was it, he says to him, um, yeah, that that's the thing. All the, all the equipment to uh, send you back, it's all gone too. It's been destroyed. So right, we're right. stuck here. I, I literally thought to myself, well, I'm going to watch the next episode right now. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. And by all means, I mean, I, I certainly do not want to restrict your ability to do that. Um, because as you know, I, I don't even know if you and I'll be breaking down the first half of season two together. So, uh, but it just seemed like, you know, and maybe we need to amend this so that we, if it's a cliffhanger, we carried the other, we covered the other half of it. Cause it's like, you know, we'll get to season three of TNG and it's the Borg two parter. And we're going to say, Oh, and then this thing happened. And then now we can't talk about it anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. May, maybe, maybe it would make more sense, but as we're not explicitly prepared to do that, we will, we will amend that for the next cliffhanger that comes around. We'll just, well, I'll, I'll make a judge's ruling on that for next time. Sounds so good. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. So, um, yeah, so that's the conclusion of season one. So I assume you know, even though Aaron and I talked about the first half, I assume that you watched the first half as well. I did. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, um, you know, looking at the season as a whole, 26 episodes, if you were to give it a rating on, you know, one to 10 Vulcan ears, how many Vulcan ears would you pick? Uh, this one, I would probably give, uh, I'd give it a solid six. There were some really good episodes. There were some real snores, but, yep. uh, it, but I think that, I think there was more good in it than bad. And I, I, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Honestly, the reason that I steered so far away from it originally was because I didn't, I didn't think that that was relevant. I didn't think that there was going to be anything interesting to say about like the beginning of the Federation. Right. I, my, my heart and soul is in, you know, the Voyager next generation, you know, deep space nine era, you know? Right. And so, so coming to this and, and, and really getting to experience it for the first time without any spoilers. I don't, I never, I never paid any attention to it. Um, was really, was a lot of fun and it's a neat little discovery for me. Oh, wait, no, it's a neat little enterprise for me, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. Don't, don't, you don't don't need to get too far ahead of yourself. So I'm probably with you. I would probably, you know, certainly at the time. And again, this was, as I mentioned in the kickoff to this, this was the first Star Trek, a series that I watched uh, as an adult because I was I was out of college. I had already already been married and divorced, uh, and I had a son. Um, so I was a, I was a grown up by the time I was watching this for the first time. So you know you approach it with with different eyes. I mean I was I was 11 years old when TNG came on. I was ni- I was almost 19 and in college when Voyager came on, and then so I was 25 when this show came on. So I was I was an adult doing adult okay. stuff. And so you just tend to look at stuff a little, little differently. And you tend to look at the social issues, like in the episode fusion, a yeah. lot differently, because again, you've, you've lived some life and you've understood some things about kind of how the, the way the world works. So, um, so yeah, I would, I would probably go five and a half, six myself, because I feel like when they got it right, they really got it right. But the filler episodes were super, super <laughs> drab and boring. And yeah. it's just a plot recycling. Just, it's like, yeah, Ah, uh, you know, I mean, I know we've been doing Star Trek for, you know, 35 years at this point, but I mean, guys, it's not like I'm going to forget that you not only stole a DS9 episode 
where Odo was one of the main characters, but then you remade it where the actor who played Odo was the main <laughs> character. I mean, oh, the snake eating its tail, eating the snake's tail. Just it's it, a bad. It's a bad scene. Well, is that is that even is that unforgivable in your mind? Like the idea that they're that they're willing to to recycle a plot. For, I mean, Star Trek fans are known for being voracious. We love. Uh, we love our, our brand. We love Star Trek, right? Right. True. And do you really think you're going to pull one over on people? <laughs> well, yeah, it's just a thing. You've got one of the most ardent fan bases in all of fandom, and you're not going to, you're right, you're not going to hornswoggle them. Now, the thought is like, if you made something compelling, would you get a first timer? But a recycled plot line, uh, maybe to the uninitiated, maybe it could be compelling, but I just don't really see how. I just, I thought that and some of the other filler episodes within this just did not cut the mustard. Definitely. It just, it just, it just really did not get it done. So anyway, yep. um, well, because of the nature of the fact that we, um, we really slammed the news uh, in last week's episode, which was talking about all the news we got on April five on First Contact Day, that is kind of the end of our show. So Rich, uh, cue up the band and take us on out of here. Cue up the band. All right. So we've got, uh, for more information about Starfleet International in Michigan and beyond, please visit Grand Petoskey and or Nomad on Facebook or USS Grand Petoskey or USS Nomad on, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, podcast, uh, our Code 47 podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network and is produced by Todd Oxtra. My little buddy. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. So, no, friends, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are, of course, a part of the uh, Secret Friends Unite podcasting network, including this wonderful show, Code 47, talking about uh, Star Trek every Monday. The Holocron Chronicles is bi-weekly on Wednesday. That is myself uh, and our Canadian friend Mark talking about Star Wars. The opposing Wednesday is Co-op Mode, a video game podcast with Todd and Mark. Uh, and then Todd and I friends now for 26 years uh in the last seven of them making this wonderful podcast about geek culture called secret friends unite your guide to the geek side um you can find us on really all the podcasting services that exist out there leave us a five-star rating it does definitely increase the visibility gets the word out uh of course you can find us over on twitter at secret friends you the letter U. uh tell something you're enjoying a thought about star trek or really about anything at all related to genre culture if you have a question a comment a topic you like to kick around we definitely want uh, to hear about that. Uh, we've got a great store on T Public. I was just uh, I was just uh, chatting up uh, Rich here in the pre-roll uh, about the fact that uh, we've got a store for Secret Friends Unite and actually also for the Grand Petoskey, uh, which gives you the opportunity to show your love uh, for both our podcast network. We've got all of our shows represented, and over on the Grand Petoskey, of which Rich and I are both members uh, of all of our different brands and units and stuff. They make T-shirts, hoodies. Coffee mugs, travel mugs, stickers, notebooks, wall art, da, 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 everything but hats. That was Rich said. Why don't we have hats? I, everything gonna, but hats. I'm going to send them a note and I would say, what about the hats? Uh, but at any rate, uh, go there. They, they have a couple of uh, sale windows coming up. Um, so just kind of keep your eyes peeled. Uh, but regardless, uh, purchases, uh, proceeds from that actually go right back uh, to actually support the podcast uh, in some of uh, our endeavors and things that we have coming up. So definitely please go out there and support us. Show, I always almost forget, show is also available uh, mirrored on YouTube. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. So friends, one more time, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you as always that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.